Hi everyone, my name is Megan and welcome back to the What's Your Why podcast. This week's episode is one that I recorded with Mary Hayes, who's one of the incredible people that's working with Women's Aid to put an end towards domestic violence against women and children. In this conversation, we get an insight into why Mary got into doing the work that she does with Women's Aid and why activism is so important to her. Mary tells us what the common warning signs of abuse are and the supports that are available within Women's Aid. She also talks to us about how important it is to believe survivors and how we can help if we suspect that somebody in our own life is in an abusive relationship. And we also talk about so much more. And while this episode is one that's important for many of us to hear it can also be triggering for those who have experiences of domestic violence so if this doesn't feel right for you to listen to please do click off it now and you can come back to next week's episode and if you're impacted by anything that we talk about in this episode you can reach out to women's aid on 1-800-341-900 or you can check out their website at womensaid.ie or 2intoyou.ie and i'll be sharing supports over on my instagram too but for now, thank you so much for clicking on to this week's episode. I'm going to pass over to Mary, who's going to introduce herself. My name is Mary Hayes, um, and I work for Women's Aid as the Two and Two project lead. Um, I'm in the office today, but normally I'm based in um, Bray, I live in Bray, um, but I'm from Tipperary, and I've lived in Dublin, so I've kind of been all over the place. Um, but yeah, I'm just delighted to be here today and to be chatting to you. I'm really excited. Me too. And if that's a little bit about who you are as a person, like how are you doing at the minute? Um, I'm actually doing really well. <laughs> um, life is really good. I'm really delighted that the, the sun is finally coming out. The sun just absolutely gives me life. Um, and I was at my first post-COVID wedding at the weekend uh, for a couple I really loved. So that was really exciting. Um, and I'm getting married myself in August. So it's actually a really exciting time. So I'm doing great. <laughs> Amazing. How's the wedding prep going? Yeah, good. Getting there. There's lots, lots to do. And being at the wedding at the weekend, I was like, oh God, there's so much still to organize. But no, I'm really excited. It's going to be uh, kind of a small gathering. So um, yeah, just really excited for everyone to come along and have a crack. Amazing. I love that. And obviously, I know you referenced there working with Women's Aid. What is Women's Aid and like what, what do you guys do? Yeah, so um, Women's Aid um, has been around since 1974. So um, we're the leading national organisation in Ireland working to end domestic violence against women and children. Um, so really, our ultimate aim is to stop domestic violence, to make women and children safe from violence. Um, to give them support um, for anyone who needs it and to really you know like provide hope um, for those who are affected by abuse and also to work i suppose for social justice and for change as well um, and we've built up a real body of experience and expertise in the area put survivors at the center of everything we do some of the ways that we support uh, women affected by violence are we run the national free phone helpline which is 1800-341-900. And it's our helpline that's available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And it offers, you know, support and information to anyone um, experiencing abuse from a partner, intimate partner. Um, and the, it's the only helpline as well that's, um, you know, free um, with specialized trained staff and it's fully accredited as well. And we also have you know, an interpretation service uh, that covers over 170 languages um, mm. for anyone who's, you know, first language is in English. We also have things like a court accompaniment service, you know, for anyone who's seeking um, legal redress against their partner. Um, so we'll have somebody who'll go with you 
Um, we also have one-to-one -one services, a drop-in service, um, we have a maternity outreach service, and we also refer on as well to local domestic violence services. So we, I suppose we um, have our finger in a lot of pies and we really just try to push the needs and voices of survivors at the centre really of everything that we do. First of all, just well done for the work you do and, and thank you for the work you do. It's so important and needed. Not a lot of people even knew about it. And I think as well, you know, around pandemic, like a lot of people realised that there were, you know, being at home wasn't a safe place for everyone. Yeah. And, you know, we, we use the term domestic violence, but violence doesn't just happen, you know, within the home. It can happen, you know, in your first relationship, you don't have to be living with your abuser, things like that. But I think during the pandemic, we realized that home was a really unsafe place for a lot of women in particular. Um, and we did see an increase in calls and contact during that time, you know. So it really kind of brought to light the needs of um, a lot of women because it is something that's still, you know, we've, we've quite far to go in terms of gender-based violence. There's been like things that have been happening recently, like the murder of Ashley Murphy, um, you know, where we saw that there's a real connection between um, men's violence against women, that it's a spectrum really that's, you know, supported by a society that excuses these things, you know, like harassment, catcalling, groping to, you know, the other end of the spectrum, coercive control, female genital mutilation, and then femicide, you know, which is what happened um, after Murphy tragically. So we still have a lot of work to do, but it is really satisfying work and it's it's a really wonderful place to work. Um, and I've been really enjoying it. I'm only newly, um, in the organization. So I joined in uh, June last year, but I've loved absolutely every minute of it. Would it ever be overwhelming to do the work that you do? Yeah, I suppose, you know, it, it can be quite heavy work, but at the same time, you know, I'm in a position where I'm able to do this work and mm -hmm. for survivors, even, you know, like reaching out can be one of the hardest things that they can do. So if I can do as much as I can to get the word out there that these supports are available, that, you know, there is hope and that being in an abusive relationship does not have to mean the end. It doesn't have to mean, um, you know, that that's how it will be forever. So if, if I can do, uh, if I can even create hope for, for at least one person, you know, it's worth it. And I just have to do simple things like, um, you know, practice self-care. I mean, the organization itself is really supportive of everyone, um, you know, especially the helpline team, like they would be um, front and center, you know, listening to women, same with the one-to-one -one services, but I mean, the organization is great at supporting their staff. So um, as hard as it is, it's uh, also very satisfying. Yeah. Why did you get involved in this work, Mary? Um, I suppose, you know, I, I've been interested in um, the area of women's rights for a very long time. Um, I think marriage equality really sparked it for me. Um, that's kind of when I started getting involved in activism and things like that. And then I did a master's in equality studies in UCD. Um, and I really, really just wanted to work in the area. So um, before Women's Age, I was with the National Women's Council of Ireland on their health team did a lot of work on like mental health and abortion rights things like that i just think uh gender-based violence is such a central part to women's freedom you know it can really um have a massive impact on you know a woman's ability to get a job to um 
you know, even realize your most basic human rights. Violence that you experience in a relationship can really set the scene for how you're treated in future relationships. And it's not just, I suppose, when we talk about women's rights, it's not just about, um, you know, surviving, but it's also about thriving. And I think women who are in abusive relationships, it can have such an impact on their self-esteem and their confidence that it's really important that that we work really work hard at this issue because we can have all the rights in the world but if there's somebody who's been completely controlled by their partner and their confidence has just been completely worn down and shattered that they don't think that they're worth anything or that they're entitled to you know rights that other uh women are able to realize it's kind of a long-winded way of saying you know I'm a, a feminist and I just think it's it's a really important part of feminism. So yeah, I wanted to be part of Women's Aid because I wanted to be part of that kind of shift in how we look at gender-based violence. And you spoke about at the start being involved in the Two Into You movement. What is that? Two Into You is a project um, by Women's Aid. It's really from an increase in contact we saw from young women specifically on the helpline and also from the research that we did. Young women in particular were experiencing abuse at high rates, that abuse is very common, that not a lot of people know that abuse is common. And also we realize, you know, they have specific needs that abuse will manifest very differently for, for that group. And also that how they access support is going to be different. We found that uh, one in five young women, you know, have been subjected to abuse by an intimate partner. So that could be a current partner or former partner by the age of 25. And that of those one in five young women, 100% of that abuse is perpetrated by a male partner. When we think of domestic violence, we often think of somebody in an older relationship, you know, in a domestic setting. We want to get the word out there that abuse doesn't just happen in those settings. It can happen in casual, short-term relationships. And that's just as serious as the violence that we see in a traditional domestic setting. So under, under the law now, you don't actually have to be living with somebody to seek legal protection and from an abusive partner. We want young people to know that relationship abuse, no matter how short or how serious the relationship or not, you know, relationship abuse and, and course control are criminal offences in Ireland and that you shouldn't have to live in fear of your partner and worry about, you know, how they'll react to everything and that there are supports available. The project aims to teach young people, in particular young women, about uh, this type of abuse. So we call it intimate relationship abuse. So to teach them about this, to teach them about the difference between healthy versus unhealthy relationships, teach them, you know, what the common warning signs are, how to support a friend if you're worried about them, and also we have a specific uh, dedicated website as well. So it's twointoyou.ie. And on that website, um, there's lots of information, but there's also a free and confidential instant messaging service. I know myself anyway, phone calls can be a little bit intimidating sometimes. Yeah. Um, so the chat service is there for anyone. And it's not just, you know, for anyone who knows that they're being abused. Um, it's for anyone who has any concerns at all about how their partner is treating them. Yeah. Or if you're concerned about a friend, you know, it's there for advice. The team there are really compassionate. They have a really good understanding of the complexities of the abuse and they're there to listen and believe. So I would encourage anyone who has any questions at all to, to go to tuintio.ie. What are some of the common signs of abuse? Abuse will manifest in lots of different ways for different people, in particular for, you know, different groups. 
and like more marginalized groups but um, in general, it's really about power and control and a pattern of behaviors. If your partner says things like, you know, they don't like your friends and they complain that you spend too much time with them, and um, that's a really common sign, constantly criticize you or the way you look, you know, they put you down. And so that kind of emotional um, tearing down, uh, they might get jealous easily and, you know, accuse you of cheating on them all the time. Um, another one as well that people, I think, uh, dismiss a lot is if they demand, you know, your passwords so that they can check your phone or look through your phone um, because everyone has a right to privacy and, you know, that doesn't show equality and trust in a relationship. So it is actually a common warning sign of abuse. They might threaten to share intimate images or nudes of you. And this is actually illegal now under the Harmful Communications Act um, or COCO's law. So it's illegal to share, but it's also illegal to threaten to share. So if somebody might, for example, say, you know, if you don't uh, get back with me or if you don't do this or if you break up with me, I'm going to share these images or videos of you. That is now illegal under the law. It might force or guilt you into doing things sexually that you don't want to do, or you might feel afraid to break up them because they, you know, they might say they'll, they'll hurt you or they'll hurt themselves. These are really just kind of examples. Really, it's about um, for yourself, it's about how you feel in a relationship. So if you feel, you know, on edge, nervous, kind of like you're tiptoeing around your partner that um, they might, you're worried about how they'll react about everything or you feel like they're controlling you, um, that can be uh, that can be an indication that you might be experiencing abuse. We often get asked about the difference between, say, toxic behaviours or normal, you know, disagreements that couples have and abuse arguments and things like that and disagreements are very normal in a relationship you know normal with friends family things like that but if this begins to form a consistent pattern you know and you feel afraid of your partner then this could mean that you're you're being abused and often you know people think that abuse is it's a really big word but actually abuse can happen to anyone and the subtle ways that somebody can mistreat you can start out really small and get much worse over time and it can be quite hard to see it happening it can start off quite subtly and then you get to a place where you look back on the relationship previously and you feel like a completely different person some of the you know terms you might heard like gaslighting or love bombing love bombing for example things that seem really normal at the start of a relationship like spending all your time together or the relationship getting very serious very quickly or you know they kind of express really strong feelings for you early on can really set the scene for more controlling behaviors later on for example they might say things like you know i love when it's just us um let's just spend all our time together and then they might later on complain if you spend time with your friends later on put you off from your friends altogether or convince you that you know they don't want to see you so all these controlling behaviors are designed to make you dependent on your partner by slowly isolating you from supports like friends and family and what that does it can leave you feeling really isolated and questioning yourself and your intuition and things like that and it makes you stay in the relationship. So it's a really uh, common manipulation tactic. We know from our research that emotional abuse in particular is really common amongst young women. Yeah, I'm learning so much as you're talking. Just a lot of things you're saying make sense in like 
one relationship, every single sign could be something that they're experiencing. And for others, it might be one thing that's consistent in terms of the services that you offer. Does it matter where you sit on that spectrum? Absolutely not. So one thing I always say is you don't have to be 100% sure that you're experiencing abuse. Yeah. Um, you know, if something feels off, it probably is. When we talk about the common signs, it's not like a checklist. You know, it's more to just get you thinking about your relationship and thinking about how it feels. Um, and if it feels healthy and equal and like you have a sense of individuality and uh, independence, you know, which are really important parts of healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not so much a checklist. It's more to just get you, you thinking about your relationship. And even if, you know, you're in a fully healthy relationship loving relationship um we have a healthy relationship quiz on uh i've told all my friends and family to go on and do it you know everyone can do it no matter your age whatever it's just 10 questions but it's a really good exercise to get you thinking about your relationship you know how it makes you feel because these things are really important you know it can be really empowering to learn what a healthy relationship is and what you deserve and there's no you know threshold for abuse it's the website is there um, and the supports are there for anyone at all who's worried be it about yourself or a friend or family member my advice would be don't hesitate because often abuse can get uh, much worse over time which can make it much harder to leave an abusive relationship because you feel so much more trapped and reliant on your partner so the earlier that somebody gets help or even gets advice or um, information can be really um, helpful. Wish everyone knew all of this information because it's so important. And when people do reach out, taking that step can be hard in itself. What is some of the support or the help that people can expect when they do that? With the with the helpline and the instant messaging service, they're both run by the helpline team who are fully trained, um, accredited staff, and they understand violence and abuse. They understand um, the emotions surrounding it and the complications of it. Uh, they understand also that, you know, people who are experiencing this um, can feel, you know, gaslit. They can feel like they're going crazy or that they're wrong or that it's all in their head. They understand that. So most importantly to know that if you contact us, you will be believed because we understand it. Um, and also, I suppose, to know that it's completely confidential. You know, we don't hold information uh, like phone numbers, location, anything like that um and it's also completely free so um i suppose just to know not to hesitate and to know that you will be supported and believed is probably two key things i think that's the most powerful part in it is the belief piece when you said that even i got goosebumps a really powerful thing to say absolutely and that actually we know from our research acts as a huge barrier to seeking help you know the women will say i didn't tell anyone because I was afraid I wouldn't be believed. And actually one in three young women who have experienced abuse or been subjected to abuse um, told no one about it. We know that abuse can have a really detrimental impact on not just your physical health, but your um, mental health as well. You know, there is hope there. It's important to stress that, that rhetoric amongst women, you know, and that's part of this kind of broader conversation around women's rights and gender-based violence that We need to believe women when they talk about these experiences because so often society or um, other people will tell them that 
you know, what happened, it's, it doesn't meet the threshold for abuse or it's not serious enough or it's their fault. And actually it's not their fault at all and that they deserve support and that they don't deserve to be treated abusively by somebody who's supposed to love and care for them. Absolutely. And for the women that are afraid to reach out for support, like, would you have any advice for them? It's hard for me to tell somebody what to do because when you're in a relationship, you're so attuned to your own safety to know what's okay and what's not okay. So I suppose if you're in immediate danger, just to remember that you should contact um, the guardie. But, you know, if you have any questions at all to, to contact Women's Aid and, you know, ask those questions, because it, the thing about um, the helpline and also our one-to-one services is it creates a space for that kind of dialogue for you to work through something. So you don't have to know the solutions. You don't have to know what you want to do, you don't want to do. It just... It gives you the space and the time to talk to somebody about it who will believe you and who will support you. And I'm sure there's people that have people in their life that they might suspect there's abuse going on or they might know but not know what to do. If you were to share a little bit of what you know to those kind of people, what would you say? So that's actually really common. So from the two uh, national surveys we did, we found that three in five uh, young people have either experienced or know someone who has experienced um, abuse in an intimate relationship um but often you know uh young people don't know how to approach the the subject with their friends you know um they might be worried that they could make the situation worse or put their friends in danger or it could affect the, the friendship um, but i suppose the most important thing to remember is that you know we need to look out for our friends it's important to look out for our friends abuse is really common and you could you could be a great support to somebody who really, really needs it, who might feel very isolated. At the website 2in2.ie, we developed a tool called Help a Friend. It's a whole page on teaching you, you know, how to spot the signs of abuse, um, but also how to start the conversation with someone that you're worried about, and also ways that you can support them and practical uh, ways to support them. So one thing we really stress is that, you know, you should never approach the abuser because it can put uh, the victim in further danger and it can also further isolate uh, you from them. And it could be a potentially life-saving connection that you have with them because it's, you know, that one tie that they have to the outside world, outside of their abuser. There's very simple things that you can do to support someone because so often they will have been told, you know, that they're crazy or that their intuition is warped or their ability to trust their own judgment will have really been worn down. So they might feel very isolated and afraid. So just being there can be really important. So doing things like checking in on them, sending them a text to say, you know, hi, just checking in and uh, just reminding them that you're there can be really helpful. Also listening, just listening and giving them time to talk. So not pushing them to go into too much detail and not feeling the need to fill the silences or to have solutions for them. It's really about just creating space for them um, to talk about uh, how they've been feeling or how their partner has been treating them. It's also really important to take care not to blame them. You know, say the words like, I believe you, what your partner's doing, that's not okay. Because so often they will have been told that, um, you know, it's all in their head or um, that they're totally being over the top and dramatic. Um, so to really affirm, you know, what they're telling you and that you believe them, that could be really powerful. Um, 
and I suppose also to remember that you know again if you're worried about someone else that you yourself don't have to be 100% sure that what they're experiencing with use if there's something that seems a little bit off it's a good really good thing to do as a friend just to check in on them you know to say things like you know I noticed they did this or said this like that's do they do that very often like that's really not okay yeah um, so to kind of open up that conversation can be really really helpful to foster um an environment where they feel not just supported but empowered because so much of that confidence will have been stripped from them so you know to allow them to make their own decisions and you know not telling them things like well you should just leave because you know if they're not ready to do this then that's important like that is their decision and it's never just as easy as just leaving it can be very complicated really being their ally and standing beside them listening to them believing them supporting them also just to reiterate that you know if you are worried about a friend that that instant messaging support service is there for you as well it's not just for people who are worried about their own relationships so you if you have a question about a friend or a family member or you saw something or heard something or you know a friend is close to you you can also use that chat service um, for advice and information and it's also free and confidential and is there like an age bracket on the supports that you offer yeah so two into you is aimed at um young people aged 18 to 25 um so it's it starts at 18 i suppose because under the age of 18 there are um you know child protection issues um uh, consent issues things like that um i suppose don't you know hesitate in using two into you um, if you're outside that age bracket, because um, the helpline staff will always be able to tell you uh, where you can find information. Even on social media now, it's a lot of younger people too that are speaking out, 15 to 17 year olds as well, or sometimes even younger. Would yeah. they be able to use the chat as well, or they'd be guided in the right place? So yeah, they would be referred to um, an appropriate service. But at the same time, the, all the information that's on the website would be relevant to them. Okay. So, you know, the common warning signs of abuse and um, they can do the healthy relationship quiz, you know, the, there's stories of survivors there. So all that information is there for anyone at all. And it would be relevant to young women under 18 because we know that abuse most commonly starts below the age of 18. But in terms of the, the chat service, um, they would be referred on to a more appropriate service. I suppose, you know, the, the information on the website is um, available for anyone who needs it. And looking at your life, maybe it's inside work or outside of work. What are some of the things that are most important to you? This is inside work and outside work. Equality is really important. And I see my work as something that can really empower young people. And I think everyone has the right, not just to, um, you know, basic human rights, but to, to thrive and to have a healthy and happy um, like uh, where the relationships that you have are loving, are caring, they're equal. I'm quite, you know, I'm very lucky in that I grew up in a very supportive family, but I'm also, you know, very privileged. You know, I'm white. I had um, access to all the education I wanted. I'm cis, I'm able-bodied, I'm neurotypical, so I don't face barriers that other people face. But there have been things that um, have shaped my life. Marriage equality and repeal were big ones for me. I canvassed my local area and I just remember knocking on doors and being so pleasantly surprised by the, the response that I got from people because I'm from Tipperary and, you know, I thought everything outside Dublin is going to be so conservative. But actually, you know, when we give people the opportunity to do the right thing and support women, you know, in making the 
decisions in their own lives that people do want that for them and people do want equality. Um, so I suppose it's really about listening to the people who are affected in areas where there isn't equality, that that's how you can lead people along. Like in repeal, we saw, you know, in her shoes made such a, a massive impact because hearing the stories of real women, it really hit home. So we can think of equality like up here and, you know, over there a lot of the time. But really, I think when we listen, it can really change your life and just open open your whole world. What are you most proud of yourself for? Um, I suppose um, just working in the area that I work in, I think. Um, also just working with like-minded, compassionate women, you know, who want the best for each other. It, while it can be difficult work, I suppose I'm proud that I, that I stick through it and that I do what I can. It can be tricky sometimes as a woman to, you know, celebrate yourself, but I think allowing yourself to celebrate the little um, the little wins where you can is important. So, you know, sometimes we get emails in from groups that have said, you know, this really helped us or this really helped me, or we get um, contact from women who've been supported by Women's Aid. And those are the times that I'm really proud to, to work in a place like this and to work in this area, because at the end of the day, it's not about me, it's about the, you know, the people who really need uh, support, who are in really difficult and challenging situations. You know, selfishly, I also really love this work. So um, I, I really enjoy it. And you know, in particular, working with young women, because I think young women are just so wonderful. And not just young women, you know, non-binary trans folk too. Like we are, I think the younger generation are just so incredible and the power that they hold in shaping, uh, you know, what Ireland is becoming is so exciting and they're absolute trailblazers. So I'm just really proud to work with that age, age group, you know, and learn from them. What do you think your why is? My why is, and I think it's something I take my mom is to lead with, compassion like whatever I approach I try and approach it with compassion you know there are so many divides now in the world we live in things can be quite black and white but actually I think if you lead with compassion it can be really helpful just for yourself you know not to take things on as much but also to meet people where they're at and to understand because no matter how different you are things like compassion can really help you understand why things happen but also create, you know, amazing opportunity to see past your own experience and see actually, okay, this person, they know exactly what they're talking about, or they have the solution to this, or let's think way outside the box um, in this situation. So um, my why I think would be always to, to lead with compassion and uh, to try and bring that into all aspects of my life and my work so that I can, you know, it's be the change you want to see in the world. It's if I want to see compassion, I have to be compassionate. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared in this week's episode, Mary. And thank you so much to everyone who's listened. Just a reminder to anybody who may have been impacted by this episode, you can always check out the Women's Aid website for some support, or you can call them on 1-800-341-900. That's it for this week, but we'll see you next week for some more What's Your Why conversations.